What's poppin'? It's QU Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White, and I am alongside the slickest of slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, with Marshman Andrew Marshall coming on soon. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Many exciting things from this weekend in college football and the NFL. A lot of change narratives, perhaps, for certain teams. And that's a great way to combat a 1.7 point loss that I had in fantasy. So, um, anywho, Jelly, how are you today? And uh, what's, what's the closest loss you've ever had in fantasy? And how painful is it? Tell us. You, you know, I'm feeling um, pretty good today. I feel a bit wild. I feel like I got, I got some hot take fl- flowing through me today. So, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for the show. But my closest fantasy loss... I got to say, I'm pretty sure I've lost by 0.02 before. Uh, I've I've won my championship a few years ago in a big money league by 0.01 before. So I'll take take however close a loss is for a championship 0.01 win. So can't complain. Not my best fantasy week overall, but... I've made some money off of free daily fantasy leagues on DraftKings. So free money on my plate this past weekend. How much? You should probably give it to Marshall, who apparently blew all of his parlays this weekend. You know, it was only free leagues, but I made $6, which I would say in free leagues is pretty good. Uh, I'm using that toward this week because I have a really good feeling that like the Eagles are going to have a million points. So I did like Jalen Hurts, all of the Eagles wide receivers, Dallas Goddard, and then because the Eagles receivers were so cheap, I also got Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so wow. I- I'm playing the odds a bit, but I feel like it might work in my favor. Good for you. Good for you. And uh, Kevin, how are you? Um, and have you have you had a, a tough loss like that in recent memory as well? Yeah, well, recently it wasn't even close. I got blown up by over 100 points in fantasy. So, that, I mean, that didn't end well for me this week, but... So a little optimistic, I, you know, I wasn't going to roll to the championship, uh, but you know, it's tough sledding right now. That's tough all sledding. right. That's all right. Actually, uh, Kevin also beat me by about four points the previous week. So I've had a tough uh, couple weeks of basically a total of five point loss, but that's okay. We will grow back stronger. This is the first time in a long time. I'm, uh, I'm not that excited about my team too much upside and too much risk. So we'll, We'll see how it continues. I was about to say, I didn't notice you were 0-2. That's, I mean, I'm talking smack to somebody else in our league for a bad trade, but I don't know if your, your team name is allowed to talk smack if you're 0-2 and doing worse than him. Listen, listen, I don't, I don't talk smack with my team names. Well, I, I kind of do, but what it, what it really derives from is my brother back in the day, whenever he would face somebody, he would change his name to kind of play off of the words of their title or whatever. And yes, I copied him and here we are. And um, I am 0-2, yes. All I'm saying is, friend of the show, Cam Doyle, we were trashing him for a bad trade, in our opinion. And Whitey's name is still Cam's dumpster fire, and he is doing way worse than Cam. Cam is actually winning that trade right now because it was a trade with Jonathan Taylor, and the guy who got Taylor is also 0-2 right now. So, Yeah, tough uh, times. This is, the, this is the last complaint I'll have. And yes, I take all the smoke for changing my name and losing. That, that tends to be the risk of what happens when you change your name. I will change it tonight for my next opponent. But uh, my two complaints, and it'll be the what-ifs of fantasy that everybody always has. Uh, for myself, he had the Buccaneers defense 
who had two pick sixes in probably the last 20 minutes of the game to give him a trillion extra points. And then for myself, TJ Hawkinson needed, I am not kidding, one more catch for eight yards or two catches and it would have been over as well. And in that time frame, Jared Goff fumbled not once, but twice and also threw an interception. So I just thought I should point that out. But anywho, yes, oh I'm not good enough. I'm, I am 0-2. So let's get on with the show and I'll stop embarrassing myself. We're going to do one thing about trades in the NBA. John Wall and Ben Simmons will seemingly not be with their teams come this fall slash winter. Uh, Ben Simmons has made it abundantly clear now that he doesn't want to play for them and never will. I think he's flipping the script because he knew he was never going to play for them, but I digress. Uh, Where do we think these two should go? Or I I saw a joke before that they're just going to swap locations, but either way, let's go to Justin first, the Philly fan himself. What's going to happen with these two guys? Well, I'll definitely say that the John Wall, Ben Simmons thing is not necessarily a joke. I've definitely seen a lot saying that the two of them could figure something out if they have a third party candidate involved in that, like the Kings, for example. Um, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Simmons is going to actually leave. I think that the Sixers are not going to get the value they want for him. So they're going to keep seeking the trades and keep up with the trade rumors but they're going to be talking with Ben Simmons a lot, trying to figure out what they can do in order to make Simmons want to stay. What can be done? Can they switch his position up? Will that make him happy? Do they switch up what they're doing with him in practice? Do they just let Ben Simmons be Ben Simmons, do what he does, stop complaining about the three-pointers, and let him just go do his job? I think those are all things the Sixers will be willing to do to keep Ben Simmons on the team. Doc Rivers has said abundantly, that he does not want Simmons off this team and that he is talking to Simmons like vigorously to try to get him to stay. Um, So I think Ben Simmons will most likely stay on the team is my guess right now. Um, If I had to pick a team for him to go to, I would say he's most likely headed to the Kings in some kind of trade. I don't think it's going to be with John Wall all around the place kind of trade, but I could definitely see Simmons moving to the Kings and bringing back Buddy Heald and possibly some first round picks and then for John Wall I personally think he is going to be headed to the Clippers I think it's where his best best destination is going to be um him and the Rockets actually have a really great relationship the Rockets front office has had nothing but nice things to say about John Wall they just respect the fact that he's not the guard that they want to start this season so John Wall will probably be a great fit for the Clippers, a team that needs to find a way to the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard for most of the season due to that partial ACL tear. So they need another playmaker to be in there, and I think John Wall kind of fits the narrative at this point. Give up Bledsoe coming back, give up Kennard's bad contract, and then, I don't know, maybe some first-round picks. John Wall and Ben Simmons. Kevin, where are they landing? I mean... The Clippers is a good bet with John Wall. I didn't think of the Clippers when I thought John Wall. I thought, honestly, the Philadelphia swap, I thought Simmons for Wall made a ton of sense. Even though it's kind of like a joke on social media, I think it makes a ton of sense where Ben Simmons, he's going to a youngish team kind of in Houston where you got Jalen Green and you got Christian Wood and you got Kevin Porter. I thought, I think it's a young, talented team that maybe he could gel with. Um it's difficult, though, too, because another team that I thought Ben Simmons could land with, honestly, was Golden State. And Golden State, because 
if you move Clay Thompson to the three when he comes back, Steph Curry's proven that he can be great off ball or on ball, regardless on offense. So you move Ben Simmons to the primary one spot. I just think with him, with all that shooting around him, that he'd be bound to be better. And also, too, they don't have a dominant big that would either take touches or drive him out of the paint potentially. Because I know, again, we saw a lot of times with Simmons and Embiid that there were spacing issues where Simmons would want to drive down, but Embiid would be calling for post-ups and vice versa. So I would be for Simmons going to Golden State, but Joe Lacob has said that they don't want to make that trade because that then it wouldn't fit in with Draymond and that they want Draymond to still be on the team. Uh, me personally, I think Golden State should entertain that, even if it means moving Draymond Green. But I know if you're Philly, you're not going to just want Draymond Green in return and maybe like a big man or two because you have Embiid. So you would have to do something with the first round picks, the two this upcoming year where I think it's one of their own, but also one from Minnesota. Um, so they would have to work out something with that, but you would need to move the picks in because I also don't think they maybe had the talent on their roster, unless you gave up like a clay Thompson, which would be absurd um, to get Ben Simmons beyond, you know, the draft picks. Imagine having Embiid, Drummond, and Draymond Green on a team. Like, how much more attitude could you ask for? Like, I feel like <laughs> literally that team would set itself on fire, like, instantly. Oh, yeah, it'd yeah. be crazy. Yeah, that'd, that'd be tough. I mean, it, it already was uh, a struggle when when KD was around as well, but he's a remarkable talent too, but even that could, could clash. So, um, good point. Okay. Let's talk about the MLB now. And we, we mentioned last week when we were recording on the Friday about uh, division winners and such, and we didn't quite have enough time. So here with our MLB squad, since Marshall is not the biggest fan of the MLB anyway, actually he says he doesn't watch a game ever. So the MLB division winners, we're going to do it right here. Before October, the, the last couple or few series of every teams are left. And we're going to do division winners followed by wild card teams. So right now, I'm just going to run through the list of the divisions and you're going to tell me who's going to win. And then after that, I'll, I'll ask who the two wild card spots will be uh, for each league. Sound good? All right. Uh, starting with the American League East, which frankly, at one point or another, was one of the most competitive leagues or divisions, and now it's not. Who will win? Well, I can't even say that. The Rays have won this division, so we're going to move on. Okay, uh, the Central Division. So, White Sox and Indians. Uh, is that also a clinch? It's pretty close. I don't think it's so. It's basically yet. a clinch. Yeah, so we're going to skip all Next the basic city. the basic clinches. Uh, Houston will win the West. Can we all agree on that, or is that going to go awry? What do we think? I, I think yes, but I want to give this crazy side story that uh... – I work at a school in a district in Connecticut. I, I, I'll try not to name the school for the sake of the story. But um, at the school, it's Hispanic Heritage Month going on. First of all, I don't know why Hispanic Heritage Month starts in the middle of September and goes to the middle of October. Someone's got to explain why the month is not an actual month to me. Um, regardless, each day on the intercoms, they honor a student during the morning announcement. Well, not a student, honor a person in history during the morning announcements. And they come on and they're like, 
2017 World Series champion Jose Altuve led his team to a championship. And they're saying all these nice things about Jose Altuve. And I'm sitting there like, (laughs) we're in a school right now and we're praising a cheater. So our students should just cheat then, right? All of our uh, students are going to be like Jose Altuve. They're going to have little like beepers on them for the questions. It'll be like one beep <laughs> for A, two beeps for B, you know? Um, but that was just my little story that I had. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And I'm surprised that nobody in the administration caught that before it happened. Or they did catch it and they felt like going along with it. That'd be almost worse, actually. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a sad story. But uh, Houston will most likely win that division. Now, one of the only ones that could have a possible change, we're in the National League now in the East. So between the Braves, Phillies, and Mets, sort of. But Braves and Phillies, uh, you two gentlemen, we'll start with you, Kevin, who's going to win that division. Currently, the Braves are three games up. I'll take the Braves right now. Um, I understand, though, that that could change very quickly because fortunes have changed very quickly in the NL East. But I think now, like, they've actually replenished their outfield at the trade deadline. So, for me, their outfield was one of the weaker weaker parts of their team, especially with Acuna going out for the year. So, I mean, the fact that they just beefed up their outfield, I think, is huge. The Phillies, for me – like I, I want to say the Phillies, but I can't trust that bullpen enough. Like again, the bullpen, it's routinely had an ERA over six, like the last couple of years, it's set records for ineptitude by a bullpen. And I just, I, I would want to believe in the Phillies because again, they have the, the money power and they have, you know, the star power, but I'll probably go with the Braves at the end of the day. Um, I had the Braves to start at the beginning of the year, but again, not my strongest opinion. I'm not gung ho on the Braves. All right, and Justin, the Philly fan himself, what's your take? You know, if the Marlins weren't eliminated, I would say the Marlins just for fun. But I I said this last week very quickly, and I'm going to say it again. I think the Phillies are actually going to win this division. And I think that's in part a bit because of just how the schedule is shaped up to go the rest of the season. Currently, the Phillies are in a series with the Orioles in which they've already lost a game, which made me want to say horrible things um and the braves are currently playing the diamondbacks but after this the phillies actually get a four game series with the pirates and the braves have to go play a four game series against the padres and one of those games is a doubleheader game which is halfway done in which the padres are already winning right now so on friday they have a doubleheader that starts in the fifth inning with the padres in the lead so I think they're going to lose some games to a Padres team that's desperate for wins. And the Phillies have done a very good job of setting up their starters to be ready for big series. And they're going to have that Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Kyle Gibson rotation ready when they play a three-game series against the Braves following these next two series. And then it ends on Braves-Mets and Phillies-Marlins. Both teams have had notoriously bad histories against the lesser opponents, so honestly, the Phillies and the Braves could both do horrible in those series. But I think the Phillies have put themselves in a position where they could very easily win the series. I think it's 100% in their court still by a long shot. It could literally be an even series come the time that it reaches Phillies-Braves uh, next Tuesday. So 
those might be games I actually stay up and watch because I'm too tired most days. I will stay up and watch those games because I think that will be like one of the craziest probably series that I've ever watched. I think I might remember that series more than I do like the World Series back in 2008. Because like this is such like a crazy phenomenon to happen that this series near the very end is going to matter that much. Good for you. Good for you. I wish you luck. And yeah, that'll be a hell of a series next week for sure. A lot of those uh, ending series in the late September are going to be pretty huge here. So the central division with the Brewers are obviously taking that one solid team. Cardinals put up a fight, but uh, couldn't quite get on top at the end of the season. Now, a, a tight battle in the West are the Giants and the Dodgers. The Dodgers have done literally everything money can do to get a team to win here. And the Giants are still a game ahead, boys. So who's winning this division? We'll start with you, Justin. I think the Dodgers are going to win this division. I think the Giants have slowed down just a smidge. And I think if you give the Dodgers an inch, they're going to take a mile. I think that's been the mantra with the Dodgers for years now, is that as soon as you think you're in a good place, they will come behind you and stab you right in the back. So... I think the Dodgers are going to taste division and I obviously the giant, whoever doesn't will get a wild card. I think whoever the giants would play will automatically, they'll automatically lose. I think the giants aren't going to make it past the wild card. Oh, interesting. Okay. And Kevin. So I have the giants winning the division and it's because they've defied any sort of logic that I've placed on them this year. I'm like, they're not a playoff team. All their quote-unquote stars are entering their mid-30s, yet all these stars are having like career years, like worthy of being in their prime at like 27 or 28. And they're having career years at 34, 35. Like Evan Longoria, I'm pretty sure is like hitting 290 like right now. Like uh, Brandon Crawford, who's 34, is hitting like 290 with like over 80 RBIs on the year. And then they bring in Kevin Gossman, who you're like, oh, this is like a reclamation project guy who you know maybe he'll catch on as a starter and he has like a two era for most of the year and it it makes no sense where he's in the Cy Young conversation and I think whatever sort of dark magic magic they've conjured up or like voodoo magic they've conjured up I think it just lasts going into the postseason and I think they're actually in a good spot too as an organization because they're not over the cap and they got a bunch of prospects too in the future. So even beyond this year, um, they have a chance to replace guys. Like they brought in Chris Bryant, but they could let him walk if they think he's too expensive. So again, like that's another guy who's not going to get talked about a guy who's a former MVP and they have him at like a discount price, arguably on a one-year deal um, at third base. So I think the giants are a sleeper team. And that sounds crazy to say, even though they've won over 90 games, but um i didn't take them serious for most of the year okay and wild cards now just two spots available for each league the al may have one of the tightest runs in in a long time right now and that's between the red sox blue jays yankees mariners and the athletics all those teams are involved within two and a half games of at least the second spot currently the red sox are two games up because they don't feel like losing the past six or seven games. So let's do it here. Who are the two teams that are going to take those wildcard spots? And I will mention 
the Red Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Rays will all be interchanging playing each other, especially these top three wildcard teams uh, for the rest of the year. The difference and the bad news for Yankees fans out there are the Yankees are the only ones not playing the Orioles by the end of the season. So just keep that in mind, and we'll go with Justin first, who are your top two teams in this wildcard race. I mean, first of all, we can't forget the Mariners are also two and a half games out at this point. I think they're a very intriguing team, to say the least. I mean, Oakland has two more, has like five more games with the Mariners right now for the rest of the season. Like that could easily be a sway for one of those teams if one of those teams is hot and sweeps because the athletics otherwise have very tough series because their only other series is two more series against the Astros, which is going to be a doozy for them for sure. I think the Yankees also have it pretty tough at this point going the rest of the way because their games are, like you said, solely against AL East teams. And it's against the other top three AL East teams. And I said, not, not the other one. (laughs) Yeah. And I I said last week, I thought the Yankees would make it. I I think I'm out at this point. The Blue Jays, I already said, we're going to make it. I think it's going to be Blue Jays, Red Sox are the two teams. And I think, like I said, Blue Jays are the hottest team in baseball right now. It's kind of reminds me of when the Nationals won the World Series a few years ago. There is no one anywhere close to the amount of heat that the Blue Jays are laying on teams right now. So uh, I'm probably taking the Blue Jays to win that wild card game too. Okay. And Kevin? It's the Red Sox and the Blue Jays for me as the wild card teams. Just like what Justin said, they're going away for the series against the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. So they're, they have to trek up north to Fenway, which is always a difficult spot for them to play unless the Red Sox bring up like, you know, a historically bad team that's rebuilding or something circa like 2013 that just implodes, but more often than not, they have a team that's competitive. So that's normally a tough spot for them. And then also too, you're going up against a blue Jays team that like what Justin just said, I think I'm getting on that bandwagon. I think it's a dark horse world series team at this point, you got Jose Barrios, who's going to be pitching in that series. You got Ryu, you got Robbie Ray, who again was a guy who, looked like he was going to be one of the worst starters in baseball or was one of the worst starters in baseball last year, had like a five ERA. He comes in this year and he has like a sub three ERA. So whatever pitching mechanics they use for him, he's been a reclamation project that's turned out. So when you look at all that and you look at the hitters, the Yankees don't, once again, they don't have the healthy starters and the horses to go long into games where their bullpen won't get depleted. And you know, they're mixing and matching with different guys on their offense, but I think at the end of the day, you have to look at allocation of resources and the fact that despite all the money they spent on this team, and it's over $200 million, they still haven't put together a significantly better team than either the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or the Rays. And it's another thing to point out as well that the Yankees were at their best this season when they had two or three AAA guys just fighting for time. Velasquez. They got, yeah, yeah. The Velasquez was in there, and and uh, short bald man was in there. Odor too. I know he's not a, but you know what I mean. It's a it's a different type of player than than the likes of a Gary Sanchez and Torres that are out there, so, uh, potentially not putting up what they should be. So I'm I'm out on the Yankees a little bit as well. Now in the National League, um, <laughs> well, if if it stays the way it is right now, where the Dodgers don't win the division. 
the Dodgers will be in the wild card. They are winning by about a trillion games. So it's for the second spot. And right now the Cardinals hold it, but the Reds and the Phillies, you know, if that doesn't work out for them either, and the Padres are the closest all within five games. So who's taking that second spot? Again, we'll go with Justin. I'm going with the Cardinals at this point. I think the difference the Cardinals have started making is becoming too great, and I like their schedule the rest of the way. And like I said, I think the Giants are going to get that wild card, and I think the Cardinals will go out there and beat the Giants in that wild card game. And I think the craziest thing about the season the Cardinals are having right now is that there is one guy on that team who has pitched more than 102 innings for that team the entire season, and that is 40-year-old Adam Wainwright, who's having a heck of a season. He's pitching a sub-3 ERA. He's 16-7. and seven. That dude, I, I don't even know what to think about Adam Wainwright right now. That guy is, like, forever a stud, and I think he forever will be a stud. So I, I'm taking Adam Wainwright all the way to the moon right now to get through that wild card game. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I have the Cardinals as a wild card team as well. I had the Cardinals winning the division to start the year. Um, that didn't happen because, again, they had a couple down streaks where, you know, some moments where like Nolan Arenado wasn't hitting or they didn't really know who their starters were or you were questioning what was going on with Wainwright or who are they going to bring in. And I thought their season was almost kind of semi-done when they brought in J.A. Happ and a couple of the other old-timers. And I was like, wait a minute, like there's no way the Cardinals make the postseason. And again, this is the dark magic of the Cardinals also. They Hap is pitching to a 4-3 ERA, which you think is kind of pedestrian, but if you remember him on the Yankees, he was a guy who routinely got shelled for, you know, putting like an 89-mile-per-hour fastball over the middle of the plate. And, you know, he's a guy now who's actually like a quality pitcher, 38 years old for the Cardinals. And Wainwright, like what Justin just said, he's pitching like to like a 3-2 ERA at 40 years old and two or three years ago, you're looking at Wayne Ryan, you're thinking he's cooked and maybe, you know, he has to retire, but combine that too with the reliable bats of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado to anchor down the offense. And it's also a better offensive team than you saw one or two years ago when they were playing the Padres. So I think they've recovered nicely. I think they can win potentially the wild card game, upset the Dodgers um, I don't see them as a World Series team, though. I don't think they have the depth to be a World Series team. All right, and that will do it for the MLB, and we'll move on to the NFL. A lot of topics today, but we'll hustle through them and get them all done. Uh, your biggest surprise team from week two. We're doing these surprises every week now, so surprise team of week two. We'll go with Justin first. You know, it's kind of crazy. Um, so me and Marshall both picked the Panthers to beat the Saints last week. And I still can't quite believe that it actually happened and came to fruition. Um, Sam Darnold looked really good out there. That Panthers defense has been surprisingly good. I thought the first week was just a fluke because we had uh, the currently looking like Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson out there on the field. Um did not have a great performance in week one, had a hard performance in week two, but the Panthers D held up pretty well against the Saints offense that really doesn't have wide receivers. So 
I'm not sure where I really have the Panthers defense in terms of skill right now, because now they also get to play first time starter Davis Mills on Thursday night football. So I think the Panthers defense has had a really good go of it for the first three weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very surprised by the Panthers. I knew Sam Darnold was going to be better this season. I did not expect him to have this good of a start, honestly. Um, but I'm really happy for the kid. He actually shows that he actually might have been meant to be drafted in round one. So excited to see what the Panthers do going forward. Biggest surprise team for you, Kev. For me, it's the Saints, but it's for a different reason. Um, with Jameis Winston being named the starter, I would have thought it would have been because Sean Payton wanted a more dynamic signal caller. He wanted to push the ball down the field. Yet, in the loss, Jameis had zero touchdowns, two interceptions, but he only threw for 111 yards, and he only had 22 attempted throws. So I would have thought that if you're putting Jameis Winston in there, he'd be throwing for at least 30 maybe even 40 times a game. Like I thought, you know, you'd have a dynamic offense with Jameis Winston, even if it resulted in a ton of turnovers. Um, So I'm kind of surprised at that. It makes you kind of wonder if this is how limited they're being with Jameis, how much, how limited did they think maybe like Taysom Hill would be as the quarterback or also to just quite frankly, how do do they really trust any of their quarterbacks? Um, So I have more questions about the Saints um, than I did going in before this week. And I still have them as a playoff team because I think it's a fairly weak division that they're in besides the Buccaneers. But I, depending, the Panthers could give them a run for their money if it's not a fluke. If Sam Darnold isn't a fluke and they get better quarterback play. So that's what I'm looking at. I think the Saints should be sweating a little bit. Yeah, I know I'll speak for Marshall and say I'm pretty sure he has the Panthers as a playoff team. And I'm pretty sure he did at the beginning of the season too. So he seems on the right track with that. I'm honestly don't see the Jameis Winston thing as much of a problem. Um, Nobody on that Saints team looked good last week. Alvin Kamara had five yards rushing. Five. That's like, I think no defense in history has done that to Alvin Kamara. Like, it it was a very insane week, an abnormality, I would assume. I just don't know how an offense is that stagnant for a week unless you're a rookie quarterback who throws four interceptions against the best head coach in the league. Um, so I, I'm not out on Jameis Winston. I think he's 100% still like the guy. I think what they really are waiting on now is for Michael Thomas to get back. Um, his IR, I believe, still has at least one more week on it. Plus, he's also on COVID IR right now. Um, so Michael Thomas has a lot going on, but I think once Thomas re-enters that offense, I think it's going to open up the field a lot more options. I mean, we're talking about the fact that Marquez Callaway is the number one wide receiver there. Deontay Harris is the number two and the top two wide receivers. Well, the top three wide receivers on that team last season are all unavailable with Michael Thomas, not there. Emmanuel Sanders headed off to Buffalo and also Traquan Smith is on IR right now. So they're without so many of their options. It's kind of a skeleton staff right now. It gives me some vibes of like how the Eagles were a couple seasons ago where all of their wide receivers are practice squad wide receivers. That's kind of the feeling I'm getting. It's just they're not practice squad wide receivers because it happened week one, before week one even happened. If this happened two, three weeks from now, these guys like Marquez Callaway would probably be coming off the practice squad and Deontay Harris would have been no more than a punter kick returner coming into the season. 
So it's asking a lot of people to do things that they're just not meant to do as players. And your biggest surprise player of this past week, uh, who's, who's that going to go to for you? And we'll, we'll start with yourself. Actually, I'll start uh, with myself and I'll say Tony Pollard. I'll be that guy that, you know, everybody's probably thinking about him or at least he's been written about. I know Justin's harped on him before. Uh, I liked him a long time ago, but, but not as much of late. And he was uh, exciting to watch, super explosive. And I'll go as far as to say that watching him play, he looks more versatile, more athletic, and better at running than Ezekiel Elliott. And I will say that as my hot take, whether or not that means he's the, the most well-rounded, best option, best vision, not what I'm saying, but he looks the best out there this year. Uh, Kevin, for yourself, your uh, biggest surprise player week two. For me, it would be Henry Ruggs. Um, the performance against the Steelers, even though, uh, the defense you could say is, well, I think, I think it's still a very good defense, but you could argue it's not the peak defense, Steeler defense that was last year for the first, you know, 11 weeks of the season, but he had five receptions, seven targets, 113 yards and touchdown. He had the, the obvious touchdown were thrown down the field to end the game. Um, I think, I think it was a big bounce back performance from what was kind of like a, a quiet first week, which was like two receptions on five targets, 46 yards. You know, he kind of has had like a Jekyll and Hyde one, two weeks so far where he's very quiet one loud. The next it's going to be interesting to see in his second year, if he becomes like a more consistently productive receiver. And if he can translate that speed into maybe better route running and just overall better, more consistent production where he can become a consistent every down receiver, a possession receiver. So he's a guy who I'm looking at because he, he really showed out for the Raiders. Justin, how about you? Yeah, um, I, I don't know what John Gruden it has done to Derek Carr this offseason. I don't know if he like whipped him every day or through quarterback camps. I mean, John Gruden used to have that, those rookie quarterback camps. I don't know if he sent Derek Carr through that again or what, but that guy is leading the league in passing yards by like 150 right now, which is insane. I mean, part of it is like Henry Ruggs is finally showing up a bit. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think, is being under-talked about. He's actually had the most targets on that team through two weeks. And Brian Edwards, who Marshall's mentioned before and who made my waiver column this week, is another guy who – if he would have got a touchdown that wasn't overturned last week would also be way more talked about this week. And on top of all that, you're have a top three tight end in the league in Darren Waller. So Carr is finally using his weapons a bit more. Um, I wish he would have done this a few years ago so that the Raiders didn't get rid of Amari Cooper and send him to Dallas. That would have been great. Um, so I'm going to talk to Derek about that when I talk to him next time at our next golf match. Um, <laughs> But I, I was very impressed by Carr. But I'll also throw in Cordero Patterson as my bonus because he just does it all. I'm absolutely in love with Cordero Patterson. Uh, also was on my waiver wire pickups, a guy that I said on my, on my articles that my mom drafts every single year. Um, and every single year, Patterson somehow looks amazing. He always finds a way to play in that offense, whether that was the great return man he was in Minnesota the weird flex guy he was for Chicago last season or 
right now for the first time being listed as a running back and seemingly starting to take that job away from Mike Davis a bit. Um, I'm pretty impressed by what he's done so far, and I wouldn't be impressed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he flambéed the New York Giants this weekend. What a word! What a word! My goodness, that was that was that was good for you. Good for you. Um, that's a <laughs> okay. So speaking of the Raiders, um, are they a solid playoff contender? So they've now beaten the Ravens, who surprise team just beat the Chiefs, and they also beat the Steelers, who beat the Bills as well in the previous week. So how how real and legit are the Raiders? And Marshall is here, the Marsh man. So we're welcoming you. So hello and welcome and uh, give us your take. Are they a solid playoff team or no? I'm going to still go no. I think Crosby's kind of playing above his normal threshold of performance. I think that they're going to be a fringe team, but I think they're going to be on the outside looking in at the end of it. Good for the 2-0 start, and I think they did beat two good teams, but I just don't really see it completely with them. Um, but maybe we're a little lower on Derek Carr than, than we previously should have been. All right, and Justin? Derek Carr, honestly, is still dirt to me. I don't think he's going to. Um, <laughs> he surprised me thus far. I just gave him so much hype. It's going to be a no for me, dog. I have the Raiders going 5-12 and 12 still. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to give them so much trash. I think they are the worst team in their division, to be honest with you. Uh, the Broncos are 2-0 and as well right now, and I think they're going to be 3-0 and after this Jets game too. Um, and the Chiefs and Chargers are definitely out of the Raiders' league right now. And on top of that, I think what really we're seeing here is that I think there is a bit too much hype put into the Steelers and Ravens this season. Um, I was already kind of out on the Ravens after the Dobbins injury, and I've always been iffy on the Steelers, but I've still considered them a playoff team. Um, I I think both of them are just pretty weak this season. I don't think either really has the potential to make the Super Bowl for sure, Um, but both are going to be lucky, I think, if they make a wild card spot this year. They both are in very rough shape with the Ravens and all their injuries and the Steelers, I feel like are trapped by Ben Roethlisberger's age at this point. Um, It's tough, but I think the Raiders have really just exposed some of the teams that we've previously considered consistent playoff contenders to now be um, fighting for their lives, basically. Kevin, do you, do you like the Raiders as a playoff contender? I do for the time being, but Again, like what Justin just said, I think the Chargers have gotten all, they've kind of had a bad shake, but also too, I think the Broncos are a legit team. And I think that the adjustment now going to Teddy Bridgewater, if they just have like a game manager type, I think they could easily get a wild card spot. Like I think outside of the Chiefs, they're probably the most complete team in that division, top to bottom. I mean, there's more high-end talent, you could say, with like Herbert at quarterback, and I would actually say the Broncos just have more talent just overall more than the more than the Raiders. Maybe you could have an argument where you say Derek Carr is better than Teddy Bridgewater. But like I I think Derek Carr, again, he's he's a starter in the league, but he, again, he's kind of like a more low-end starter. I think he's closer to Ryan Tannehill than he is to, you know, like a franchise QB. He's closer to Ryan Tannehill than he is to like Matt Stafford. Um 
And also too, I think the AFC West, like we knocked it a couple years ago for being really weak, but I think it's a strong division potentially. Like I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a layup for Kansas city now. Like, I don't think Kansas city is going to run away with the division. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they get a couple losses where we go, wow, really Kansas city lost it. I mean, already, but like a lot of people thought they're going to blow out the Ravens. So I think it's a, a little bit of a change and I, and to piggyback on that point with the AFC North, I 100% agree too. Like I was out on the Steelers going into this year, but the Ravens too. I mean, even though they got a good win against Kansas City, their first game of the year, their corners have been bad so far to start the year, especially against the Raiders. Like Brian Edwards and, and those guys were just getting wide open all the time. So if Lamar is just your only option, he has to be like Superman. I, I, I do have questions about that team. The Browns might run away with the division. And we are now going to talk about the Browns. By the way, my, my opinion is I, I think all three of these teams are actually quite mediocre, uh, the Browns included, at least this year. Browns specifically injuries, Ravens specifically injuries, and we'll talk about this later. But, yeah, I mean, Big Ben is, of course, their O-line blows. But Big Ben is one of the main reasons why the Steelers are one of the worst offenses in the entire league. And uh, if their defense – like I thought they were underrated going into the season because they were just getting crapped on all summer for being a horrible team. Um, but if their defense keeps getting injured, uh, they're, they're going to be out too. Uh, they, they need all those guys to be contenders. But looking at the Browns, who now have Landry, who's out for at least three weeks, and Odell is probably coming back this week, but he was just off an ACL tear, and he might go down. He might not even play. He might not be full health. Uh, are the Browns kind of screwed without having their top two receivers or can they kind of figure it out? What are your takes? And we'll start with Marshall. I don't think they're screwed. I think Landry's pretty overrated. I think Beckham, what Beckham's role on that team is almost more as a, as like a clear out guy in terms of like, like when they would do their flood concepts, like he would be the vertical threat, which is the route that isn't really like target as much. Like you're usually throwing intermediate or short on those concepts. Their run game's so so elite that they can they can afford to lose these players for a little bit. I, I think that you know Browns fans will tell you that Jarvis Landry is like the second most important player on their team, but uh, I, I'm really not buying it. I, I don't think that losing that player is really worth that much. Um, and their defense is still like whatever. I mean, it's it's Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and a bunch of guys, but. You know, like the run game is so elite, the line so elite, and then you have two like real, uh, real defensive players who I guess are just gonna kind of do their thing. Nick Chubb for the dub, anyway. Uh, Justin, yeah, your your take on those injuries and if they're gonna be okay? Yeah, I think the good thing that the Browns have going for them is that they do have that elite rushing attack, but also I think you're gonna see Kareem Hunt take on a receiver role very quickly coming into Week Three. I think that's going to be the easiest solution because they're playing the Bears defense this week. I don't think the run game is going to come easy to them as it will in the following weeks because they have the Vikings and Chargers after this. It'll make way more sense to run the ball more in those games. But this game, Baker Mayfield is going to have to perform, and I don't know if Odell is going to be the guy. Kareem Hunt, I think, will definitely take on that receiver role, like I said. I think Anthony Schwartz, who was a third-round pick in this year's draft, is a guy to watch. Um, he's not looked bad this far in the season. And I think he is probably the guy who is more likely to get the elevated role as opposed to Donovan people Jones. So 
give me some Anthony Schwartz this week. I think it's going to be a tough week this week. Um, but I am not as worried about the Vikings game next week. I think the Chargers game will be trouble, though, when they get to that point. I am, based off of how this division is going so far, I'm beginning to feed into the Bengals hype a tiny bit, honestly, at this point. I am not ruling the Bengals out of being that wildcard team or even winning the division at this point because it's looking really wide open. This might become like the NFC East was last season. And Kevin, you with those two injuries. Well, for me, I agree with what you guys are saying, but I think the Browns, honestly, their next four games, Bears, Vikings, Chargers, Cardinals, I think they could win the next three or four potentially. Because again, like what Justin just said, the Chargers and Vikings, not great run defenses, but even against a team like the Bears, where again, we're hyping up Justin Fields and we're and I, like, again, I think he's going to be good, but still his first game, it's not a slam dunk guarantee that, you know, you're all of a sudden going to see a new high flying bears offense. So they could have a great chance to, you know, to dominate time of possession and even just wear out the run defense of the bears because they don't have to fear maybe the offense at this point from Justin Fields. I mean, they're going to have to game plan, but again, a rookie QB, you don't always know what you're going to get. So I think they could win the next three or four. And like what you guys said, I think last year when we were talking about the Browns, we talked about them always forcing the pass. It felt like where, especially too with Odell, where it just felt like with Baker, they were forcing a lot to Odell where him and Baker weren't always on the same page. And it would be like, okay, Odell runs like a long post and then Baker would throw like a slant. And then it would be like, okay, like a short pick (laughs) for like a pick six. And then Odell would do like a slant and then Baker would heave it like 20 yards down the field or something. Like it was just completely, completely opposite sides of the spectrum in terms of what they were thinking with their passing attack. And when they focused on the run, that was their best football. That was when they were competitive with the chiefs. So I think if Stefanski is just game planning like that, like, you know what, I'm just going to impose my team's biggest strength on our opposition. Then I think they should win actually most of the next four games. I think it gets harder for them when they play teams like the Broncos, which are honestly more complete than I think the next four teams that they're going to be playing. But I'm not out yet on the Browns, especially to weak division, like I think what we've all talked about. Okay, and now we're going to make this a weekly thing, talking about ranking the rookie QBs uh, throughout basically each week. So we can look at people like Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, little bit of field, sort of, kind of, and Lance, and now Mills is in the mix. <laughs> oh, look at that. Dark Horse Mills gonna going to go absolutely crazy. Uh, anywho, so let's rank these. And I, for myself, I, I, I'm, I'm going to leave Lawrence up there. I like Fields. Fields next, and I like Mac Jones after that. I think it, the offense is just a little too conservative there. Um, but he's still three for me. I... Listen, it could be recency bias, but I'm hating the way Zach Wilson's looking. Really hating it. Granted, it's not his fault. Um, just like uh, in Goodwill Hunting, it's it's not his fault. But it it either way, his performance is going to continue to be negatively impacted, and that's kind of my take on that. But uh, Marshall, we'll start with you on these QBs, or if you have similar ranks to last week. Yeah, so Wilson, I, I like how you say it, it wasn't his fault. It actually might be his fault. <laughs> there were some garbage interceptions that Wilson threw. 
Um, I think he's kind of testing out the limits of his armor. I think Belichick just just kind of seeing that game in person. I think that was like an easy one for Belichick too. Bel- Belichick didn't even look like he was like trying that hard. And, uh, I mean, he's this is like the 50th time he's done something like this. So, you know, I guess it gets old after a while. But, I mean, Lawrence looked terrible too. What, 14 of 33? You know, the, all the interceptions from him too. He's throwing high on almost every ball, which – he had a tendency to do that in college, but it was not nearly as much as he's doing it right now. Mac Jones is somehow the best quarterback in this class. Um, and I've actually like Mac Jones. It is striking how similar he looks to early career Brady. And that's, that's like low hanging fruit. That's, Oh, wow. He's playing for the Patriots. He's white and he's a pocket passer. Wow. But Mac Jones actually could be a multiple-time Pro Bowl player. And I think just seeing him on Sunday was the first time that I was ever like, is this even a possibility? And I think the answer is yes. Um, so credit to Kevin for being Captain Mac Jones. Fields and Lance are – it's just to be determined. It's like, I, I, how do you want me to rank them? It's like Fields got in, he threw a pick, but then he also looks really fast. Lance – like he looks, he's barely played too. So these rankings will be a lot more like one, two, three, four, five. And then Davis Mills, we'll see what he does on Thursday night. We'll see about Davis Mills. Oh, he's going to hop up the ladder. You just wait. I'm kidding. I, I He's horrific. Anyway, um, he's better than me. Um, just a little bit. But uh, Marshall, by the way, how was it when you were at that game? Was that, was that a fun experience or not so much? Oh, yeah, it was really cool. It was a really cool experience. Um, awesome. Yeah, seeing seeing all these players, and then at the end of the game, everyone just kind of left because they were pissed. Fireman Ed, the Jets, uh, like, I guess spokesperson, uh, my buddy went and found him, and he looked legitimately depressed and very sad. He said hi to him, and he waved back, and he was very sad. It looked like he was, he was just completely dejected. I mean, you know, when you're at every game for this long, and then you just see that happen again. I don't blame him, but I, I've never seen someone look so sad who was like such a super fan of it of a ah, in like ah. a week two game. I get like it was a playoff loss, like a week two game. He looks so sad. And then Belichick, like there is an there is an aura that that guy has on the field. Um, he ran off onto our sideline or into the tunnel where our seats were. And we, we got to see him like fairly close. And the players kind of just like gravitate and hover around him, which I like. It, there's something weird about it. Like Belichick, it, it looked like Moses was like parting the season. It was like very, very cool to see. That's that's great content. Great, great first person content. Thank you for that. I appreciate the image. Uh, Justin, your uh, rankings, so to speak, on these men. Belichick definitely hazes its team somehow like a fraternity style. I don't know what it is. <laughs> But, like, he does something to those guys to make them, like, whipped into shape. I swear to God. It's like some Joe Girardi-level, like, shaving beard type of stuff. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Mac Jones is my number one right now. I've got a Trevor Lawrence as my number two. I think that's pretty fair. I'm going to put Davis Mills at number three on the season right now. Um, very small sample size, but honestly, didn't look that bad. And let's keep in mind the last two quarterbacks to start after Tyrod Taylor went down to injury were Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. So Davis Mills could be joining the class of great quarterbacks that come from a Tyrod Taylor injury. 
And honestly, jokes aside, I I like Stanford quarterbacks a lot. Um, I do think like Ivy League quarterbacks, I think can make it work in the NFL. Ryan Fitzpatrick has showed that in the past. Um, I, I never shy away from an Ivy League quarterback though. So I'm giving Mills the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be this week against the Panthers, but Taylor's out at least three weeks because he was put on IR today. So I expect Mills to have a good week at some point in these next three weeks. I would not be surprised if Mills is starting for the rest of the season, even when Tyrod Taylor is healthy. Um, I'm putting Justin Fields fourth. I'm putting Trey Lance fifth, even though he didn't even touch the ball last week. And I'm keeping Zach Wilson at sixth over guys who didn't even touch the ball because I want to be as far away from Zach Wilson right now as possible. Um, the Broncos defense, I'm hoping, doesn't abuse him the same way. He, they very much could, but I'm hoping for a bit of a better week. I think Corey Davis will also have a rebound. So looking forward to some Corey Davis love, hopefully. That guy's a, under one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league right now. Kevin? So for me, I did – my type of grading based off of guys, I, I graded guys more who were who played the two weeks versus guys who maybe just played one week. So I favored those guys a little bit more. I have Mac Jones as my one, even a guy who believes in Mac Jones. I'm kind of stunned at that. Um, I thought Trevor Lawrence is going to definitely be better out of the gate. Even I don't understand what's going on. Um, so I have Mac Jones one. I have Zach Wilson too. I, I think Zach Wilson, you know, he's getting a bad rap right now because Obviously, he didn't play well against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, but a lot of rookie QBs haven't. I think he still showed a ton of promise um, to start the season against the Panthers. So it is a Jekyll and Hyde type week one, week two performance, but I'm going to leave him at two because I, th- I still think he's had a better start to his season so far than Trevor Lawrence, who I'm honestly kind of surprised. I mean, what Marshall said, he is throwing high on a lot of his targets. Um I'm starting to wonder if like in a week or two of this continues, if conspiracy theories are going to start coming out about urban Meyer being taking this job and then trying to like ruin Trevor Lawrence as like a vendetta for Ohio state or something uh, like maybe that conspiracy will come out soon. I mean, who knows? I, I think you just, I think you just broke that. I think you, you are the one to bring that to light. Good for you. Okay. Sorry. Go on. I didn't do any investigative reporting. It's all just, it's all just, you know, in my mind, I'm imagining something. Um, so I got Trevor Lawrence three, I got Davis Mills four, because I think he showed some promise. He did throw an interception. Uh, it is one week. He didn't play the first week. He played week two. And I also don't think he's as good as those other three, but it's still higher than Justin Fields at four, who again, played more than Trey Lance and then Trey Lance five. I almost consider them like incomplete. Like, you know, when you get an assignment in school that just says like incomplete on it, that's like what I would give them just because they haven't, for me, played the amount of time where I could be like, okay, you had an A performance or you had an F performance. I just don't know. So I'm like incomplete. I see. I see. Did you get a lot of those incomplete? Did you? Uh, no, I always turned in my assignments. Did you get a lot of time. those incompletes at, at, at school, Kevin? A bunch of those incompletes at school? Did you get that? Are you my mom? yeah sorry anyway anyway, it's okay i've been giving plenty so (laughs) there you go there you go we got a teacher amongst the squad 
Kevin's the type of kid to do assignments that are due like two weeks in advance. Like, like Kevin, Kevin's always on top of that stuff. Well, Kevin yeah, normally has. I do four weeks in advance sometimes. He he normally has uh, an essay that he does year round. Uh, uh, that uh, for for every essay, it's year round. It's a, hey, Kev, what are you up to? Go to the library on my essay. Didn't you do that like a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I'm on page three. <laughs> Hey, Kevin, uh, you no. want to go out tonight? No, man, go to the library. What? Oh, I've got an essay due in, in March. It's like, cool. As opposed to Marshall, <laughs> who goes at 3 a.m., I'm going to go to the library, guys. I'll catch you later. <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times, good times. Uh, uh, oh, all right, if we want to keep going, then we got a guy like Justin who will be given uh, every single assignment up front, and he'll just finish them all in a couple of days, and he'll have nothing to do after that. So You know, actually, I was just telling someone the other day how I had read all the poetry for my poetry class for the semester already, and we're like See? three weeks in. So See? you nailed that one on the head. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes we know our buddies pretty well. Anywho, let's move on to week three, uh, game to watch. What is your game to watch for week three? And I'm going to say it. I'm going to be that guy, the lame guy who says... Chiefs versus Chargers. That's my game of the week. Chiefs blew it against the Ravens. I re- And when I mean blow it, I really mean blow it. How do you run the ball there? I know it's like, oh, we'll just kick a field goal. Don't do that, in my opinion. But uh, And then the Chargers, a team on the up and up. Can they can they handle it? Can they keep going after it? Uh, we'll see. That's my game to watch. Uh, Justin, your game to watch. Uh, I don't know if it's a homer thing. I don't even think it's a homer thing this week. Eagles-Cowboys Monday night football classic matchup and that game is going to be high scoring like i i can't even begin to predict what the score will be of that game i have this like vibe of like if you guys remember that rams chiefs game a few years ago that was like both teams scored like high 30s low 40s or something like that like that level of game is what i think you might be seeing here it's going to be an onslaught of how many passing touchdowns can Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts throw? Because, you know, Pre- Prescott, he's not in the top five in receiving in, in passing yards anymore because he had such a poor week against the Chargers. He's got to make up for that against the Eagles defense. So I am expecting the air raid that will be remembered and heard around the world for this weekend. Marshall, your game to watch. Game to watch is Rams and Buccaneers. Good one. The sharp play is to bet on the Rams, but the common adage is never bet against Tom Brady. Is Tom looking ahead a week at Bill Belichick when basically this holy experience at Foxborough is going to commence next week? There's there's something weird about this Rams game, though. Um, I, I could see the Bucs dropping this one, even though they're playing so, so well. Um, at, at the Rams and Tom Brady's weakness, interior pressure or just pressure. It's a lot of quarterbacks weakness. Um, Aaron Donald is a hard guy to block. Let's see if Ali Marpet can do it for a change. Yeah. And on top of that, Antonio Brown was just added to the COVID IR today. Mm-hmm. So he is, unless he gets two negative tests all of a sudden, he is very unlikely to be playing in this contest, which I think is actually going to be somewhat significant because it's going to take a tiny bit of pressure off of that Rams secondary for the game. And on top of that, like Marshall said, that Patriots game the following week, 
Tom Brady is, I believe, around 400 yards away from passing the all-time passing record. And he's definitely going to do it in, against New England. And it's going to be the stupidest narrative ever. It's like, I, I think they knew when they chose week four for this game that it was going to line up perfectly with Brady's season. They gave him the first two weeks against horrible defenses so that he could pad his receiving, his passing stats. Then they give him this Rams matchup where they know he's not going to throw 400 yards. And then he's going to get the Patriots. Uh, the NFL, I think, has made some actual narratives with the schedule making this year. Very intentionally. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All for uh, New England fans or Tampa Bay fans. Whatever they are. Uh, Kevin, you're uh... <laughs> right. They're both. Whichever team's winning. Uh, Kevin, what is your uh, game to watch this week? I was going to say Buccaneers-Rams, too. I, I think the Rams right now are a sleeper Super Bowl team. And I think Matt Stafford, uh, you know, I know his second week wasn't as scorching hot as his first week, but I think he could be a sleeper MVP. And I think a good chance this is the conference championship. Um, I'm not as high on Green Bay and San Fran and such, but I think this is a potential sleeper matchup. And I'm more intrigued by that than I am the Chiefs, um, I think this is one of the few games where you're going to say, okay, the Buccaneers are going to get really tested. Because, again, Aaron Donald up the middle. You have Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. Um, this is an offense that they're going to have to keep stride for stride, pace for pace with. And, you know, I, I think it's a team that could beat Tampa Bay. And well, one quick thing with the schedule narrative thing. I 100% agree. Um, and I'm just waiting to. It's going to be like just – it's going to be a kiss up of like Boston sports where it's like, he'll come out and they'll bring out like Larry bird or like, you know, like, I don't know, just like Bill Russell or somebody. And like, I don't know, Carl Ustremski. And it would just be like, just like, Oh, we're all United guys. And it's like, yeah, no one cared about this team when you guys were going to move to St. Louis and become the stallions in the 1990s. Like when Bill Clinton was in office, like you guys didn't care that much, but Oh, well, the, you know, Buccaneers will probably win that week, but you know, it's whatever. Uh, I, I will. I want to add a fact in case nobody knows this. There was a podcast with DK Metcalf and Aaron Donald and DK Metcalf uh, relinquished that he benches 350 pounds uh, and Aaron Donald started laughing and the guy asked Donald, do you, do you bench more than him? And he said, of course I do. And DK kind of looked at him like, are you kidding me? And and Donald, if anybody, you want to take a guess or does anybody know how much he benches? It was like 425, wasn't it? Uh, Marshall seems to know. It is 500 pounds. Oh. So he made DK Metcalf seem like a little kid. And it was actually a really funny clip. If you, if you ever want to look it up, it was, it was funny. Uh, Donald was literally like laughing at the idea. Um, kind of funny. I wish 500 pounds was light work for me too. But your week three hot takes. Justin, what is your hot take of the week? You know, this past week, there was a lot of fours in the NFL. You had four interceptions from Zach Wilson. You also had four rushing touchdowns from Aaron Jones. I'm going to say that in the Patriots-Saints game, both Jameis Winston and Mac Jones will each throw four interceptions in that game. And on top of that, Lamar Jackson will have four rushing touchdowns against the Detroit Lions this week. Wow. 
I'm loving fours after this past week. I'm going to stick with the fours this week. I, I told you I was feeling hot takes today. I don't think it can get much hotter. Love it. And then just get a four for four for Wendy's when it happens. Um, this, this and- is actually a sponsored uh, hot take. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Kevin, your hot take of week three. So I can't think of a creative one. So I'm just going to do it for my football team. I think the Giants in a battle for NFC worst. I think they lose to the Falcons by over 20 points. And I think everybody is, you know, uh, in the firing squad of getting fired potentially. So I think this is the part where I start paying attention to the Knicks opener. And I'm just so out on the Giants after the first two weeks of the season. I just couldn't be more out on the Giants. Um, Just me rambling, but I'm still kind of annoyed. And whatever. The season was supposed to be a little bit different, but can't have nice things. So. Okay, uh, Marshall, your hot take of week three. No, no nice things for you. Do you want it to be pretty hot? Uh, wh- whatever. It could be It could be white hot, red hot, or blue hot. Whatever. Why whatever are we about. even on this show if it's not going to be hot? All right, all right. We're making it spicy hot. We're making it spicy. The Texans and the Jaguars are both going to win outright this week. Nice. Nice. Wait, who are the Jags playing again? They're playing the Cardinals. Cardinals. That's a really hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I think, a parlay oh, gets you, I think a parlay gets you like 22 to 1 odds on that. That's lit. Toss it. Toss it. I'm going to throw a little it. money on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, oh, go on, Justin. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, by the way, I feel like Marshall might have seen this. Did anyone see that guy who picked 16 outright game parlay? He got the yeah. first 15. And if he picked the Lions for Monday Night Football, but he actually cashed out before the Lions game, um, and he made 177k on the cash out. Oh, he did it's, cash out. I thought he didn't cash out. No, he cashed out and made 177k instead of the 782,000 he could have made. But the Lions didn't win. So what a great cash out for him. That's a smart Swipe move, hand. man. That's a smart move. You can't you can't be greedy like that. But. Uh... That's a tough move too. Not a lot of people could do that. So, um, okay. Before we do our week three uh, game predictions, just just real quick, Tua being out, I, I think it's a fractured rib. I mean, this guy is is brittle, like a Pringle. Um, how how much of a disaster? Sorry, that sounded mean. I was just like a light joke, but uh, disaster for the Dolphins. Is it a disaster or is it not a disaster? That's the only question. I'm going to say no, because I've been out on Tua since Tua stepped onto the college football field. And I'm going to stay about that for the rest of my life. There uh, you go. Uh, Marshall, this is a disaster for the Dolphins. No, because he wasn't that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's a disaster that you didn't pick a quarterback this year, but at least you have Jalen Waddle, who is good. Valid, valid. Uh, Justin, for you. Well, first of all, I'm wondering if they're starting to feel Deshaun Watson a bit more at this point. Um, I mean, you got to be thinking about it if you're uh, the Dolphins. But um, honestly, I know we've all been kind of out on Tua. I'm going to go even further. Uh, first, a side note, I said when Tua went down, I was like, here comes Jacoby Brissett. And I was not kidding when I was said in that chat, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to go off all of a sudden. He, in fact, did not go off. He went on to not lead the Dolphins to a single point. Um, But I actually think Jacoby Brissett is, at this point, a better quarterback than Tua. 
Tua could maybe evolve into a better quarterback than Brissett, but I honestly think Brissett just came in cold and was not expecting playtime, and he's on a new offense that he has to learn. I'm expecting Brissett to actually fit the mold pretty well. If Brissett started the rest of the season, I think the Dolphins would still be a playoff team in my book. Okay, and Kevin? I don't like a Pringle. I haven't heard that before. You're, you big Pringles guy, White? I don't remember you. Uh, sa- sour, cream, sour cream and onion are, are lit. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, like, I, I had the original, and I was never big into the original. Um, so I just didn't well, have any Pringles after that. Because it's cardboard if it's not sour cream and onion. but Or pizza. But that's also fake. Go on. I'm yeah, sorry. true. It, it's artificial flavors, whatever. Um, no, nah, I mean, is it a disaster? It isn't a disaster, I think, what just Marshall just said, in that he wasn't helping them win games. Um, so it's not a disaster necessarily that they lost him because I think they do have a better chance with Brissett, especially too, like with his legs. And I think too, to some degree, he's a little bit more of an accurate thrower um, than Tua, especially like what Tua shown in his last two years. I think comfortably you could say that. Um, but I think it's a disaster in that you drafted this guy with the hopes of just, he'd be a franchise quarterback where, again, when we were looking at Miami drafting him, we we're like, oh my God, Miami, like they have so much upside, so much potential. And, they, they, you know, they have the league at their fingertips, essentially. And now it doesn't look like that. Now it looks like to get a Deshaun Watson, instead of trading a promising quarterback, you might have to dip in and add more picks or maybe have to, maybe they ask for Jalen Waddle if they're, if the, if the Texans are trying to trade Deshaun Watson, like it, it's, it's potentially worse. I mean, you could potentially end up in a situation where even if you get Deshaun Watson, you get him on a team now with no assets and no players if you're Miami. And that's if everything pans out legally. Like, we don't know. So they're in, like, a bad spot. They're, like, in a purgatory where they're just trapped. And the fate isn't in their own hands. So it's been – I think it's a disaster. I think they're going to lose the playoffs now or not make the playoffs without a doubt, especially, too, getting trounced by Miami. I mean, by Buffalo, 34, 30, 35 zip. Almost stuttered there, but 35 zip. That uh, that almost felt like end of season right there in that one game, kind of. Okay, and finally to end our show, rapid fire week three predictions. Uh, Justin is going to list the records with standing now, and I I will say prior to Justin saying this, I'm quite sure I maybe got two wins last week. If if I I don't really remember everything I said, but I remember watching Sunday football and I was like, oh, that's another game I got wrong. So uh, laugh at me all you want, but I am admitting it before that I got a lot wrong. Okay, go on. So just based off of this, what last week Marshall did win astoundingly with a twelve and four record in the straight up pickums. Uh, me and Kev were ten and six this past week, and Andrew White was eight and eight yet again. So uh, currently, overall, Kevin Marshall are tied for first at 20 and 12. I am in third with 18 and 14. And Whitey with the even 500 record at 16 and 16. Maybe I'll start calling you the Philadelphia Phillies because that's what they're always doing too. All right. All right. Let's let's continue the hot streak. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll dial it in. I'll dial it in. Okay. Maybe it's because I go first. I'm just kidding. Um, okay. It's only been two weeks. We'll, we'll move on. So Thursday football, that is tomorrow for at least when we are recording this, may or may not be out uh, before this game. But Panthers versus Texans, I have the Panthers by three. Marshall. 
Uh, I think the Texans are going to cover this one. So, I mean, I guess I'm picking the Texans. That was my hot take. All right. All right. Hey, Kevin. Ooh, it says here, Panthers are 2-9 and nine record all time on Thursday night football. Do I go with the historical validity of this stat? Nah, I'll go Panthers. Okay, just go Panthers. I'm hoping Sam Darnold doesn't see any more ghosts. I'm going Panthers 23 to 14. Okay, Bengals Steelers. I got Steelers. Uh, Marshall. Oof. Bengals. Okay, Kevin. Steelers. Justin. Pittsburgh at home, 21 to 20. Okay, Washington football team and Bills. I got Bills. Marshall. Bills win and cover. Kevin. Uh, Bills Mafia by two scores. Justin. Buffalo, 23-13. Bears-Browns. I got Bears. Marshall. Browns win. I think the Bears cover this one, though. Kevin. I got the Browns win this one uh, by touchdown score. Low-scoring game. Justin. I am going with Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Ravens, Lions. Ravens for me. Marshall. Ravens by a touchdown. Kevin. I'm going to go Ravens by two scores here. Jelly. I am also going Ravens, and I realized I want to take back my last pick. I'm going with the Bears 23-21. All righty. Sounds good. Uh, We're going to reverse it and go backwards now. So Colts, Titans, I have Titans in this one by a touchdown. Kevin. Oh, um, I'm going to go Colts over the Titans. I'm going to go by a field goal. Okay, and Justin. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think Wentz is going to play this week, so I'm going to take the Titans 24-17. Okay, Marshall. Same thing as Justin. I'm going Titans here, but would not recommend betting this game. This is a weird one. Uh, Chargers, Chiefs. I was wrong last week. Maybe I'll be wrong again. I got Chiefs in this one. Kevin. Chiefs, revenge game. Justin. Um, I'm going Chiefs 28-24. I can't stop them at home. And Marshall. Chiefs are on a terrible cover streak. They haven't covered, uh, I believe they're like two in their last 13 or 14 games for actually covering spread. So does this wake up the Chiefs or are they just still going to be sleepwalking? I think Chiefs won. I think the Chargers figure out a way to cover. Saints-Patriots. I got the Pats in this one. Not sure if the Saints are going to figure out their offense that fast. Kevin. I'm going to go uh, Pats. The Mac Jones renaissance continues. Justin. Four picks each, but Saints are going to win 21-17. Marshall. I think – Jameis is so unpredictable that Belichick won't even know what he's thinking. Neither will Sean Payton, but somehow the Saints win this game. <laughs> All righty, and uh, Falcons-Giants. I got I got the big man, the Giants, in this one. Kevin. Got the Falcons by two touchdowns and a field goal. Justin. I am taking the Giants, um, but Kenny Galladay is going to throw like five tantrums in this game. And Marshall. I'm going Giants, but it's always hard to predict idiots. <laughs> uh, Cardinals, Jaguars. 
I have the Cardinals by approximately 79 points. Uh, Kevin. Oh, man. This one, Cardinals won by three touchdowns. <laughs> Justin. I am going with the Cardinals 35-27. Marshall. We'll go Cardinals to win, Jags to cover. Jets versus Broncos. Broncos by a tutty for me. Kevin. Broncos, two touchdowns and a safety. Safety's got to get in there, and there it is. Justin. Broncos, 23-20. Marshall. Broncos win. The Jets cover. Look at that. That spread is way too big. It was it is too much for Teddy. Too much. Yeah. It's a large spread. Uh, Dolphins, Raiders. I'm doing it. I'm I'm gonna the the Raiders will be three and oh after this week. Kevin. I go with the porpoises here. Um I'm gonna go Dolphins. Justin. Yeah. Um so usually when I do my predictions, I usually stick pretty close to everything I choose at the beginning before the season even starts because I like to see how it plays out. This is what I'm going to flip, though. I think the Raiders are going to take it now. Okay, and Marshall. So my book took this down, which is weird because of all the injuries, but is what is the number that you have it at? Four. I'll go Dolphins. In, in the Raiders' direction. Yeah, I'll go Dolphins here to cover, and I guess win. Yeah, I guess I'll go Dolphins to cover and win. I mean, it's four points, so. Weird game. All righty. Yeah. Uh, Buccaneers, Rams. <laughs> I'm I'm going to do it. Rams are going to win this game by four. Uh, Kevin. I'm going to say Rams by a touchdown. Justin. Bucks, 31 to 28. Marshall. Rams, because this is a trap. (laughs) Seahawks, Vikings, give me... Oh, man. I I actually don't really like either of these teams, to be honest with you. Give me me the feeling, and and not Dalvin Cook, because he'll be injured midway through the game, and Madison coming up with the win, and the Vikings will take it. Uh, Kevin. What does Seahawks win this by a field goal? Okay, Justin. Vikings have been pretty unlucky this season. I think that's going to continue. I'm taking Seahawks 30 to 28. And Marshall. Vikings have been pretty unlucky, as Justin said. I'm taking them to win by a field goal this game, though. Hype, hype, run it, run it. Okay, Packers, 49ers. I got the Packers by a touchdown in this one. Kevin. You got the Packers losing by two scores. Can't stop San Fran. All righty. Uh, Justin. Debo Samuel is going to have like a 200-yard game. I'm taking San Francisco 24-23. Okay, and Marshall. I'm taking the 49ers to win and cover against this Green Bay Packers Swiss cheese run defense. Swiss cheese. Got to love the holes. And the Monday night of the Monday night, the Eagles versus the cowiest of boys. I got... See, this is going to be tough if Amari Cooper actually plays or not. Doesn't matter. I don't think I he's got... going to. But well, no matter what, I will reluctantly say, <sighs> I actually, wow, I don't know if I can do it. I'm doing it. The Eagles are going to win this one, Kevin. 
the Eagles too. Eagles by a touchdown. Justin. I would cry if Philly won in Dallas. I am taking the Cowboys 33-27. And Marshall. We're going the Eagles here. Love it. Love it. I okay, am going boy. to cry on Monday. Okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, that's all good stuff. It's crying good tears for you, at least. Uh, for, for us, not so much. Um, nonetheless, this has been QU Hot Takes. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside the slickiest of slats, Kevin Slattery, the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, and the Marshman, Andrew Marshall. It's a pleasure, boys. As always, we'll be back next Wednesday for recording. It's a great day to be alive, and go dogs. Go birds. See you on the other side, Jalen. Good luck. Go Giants. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully you do better against the Falcons than I think you will, but, you know, I don't know for sure. Uh, Don't have much faith, but we'll see. Go Bills. About to make uh, Taylor Heineke look like a Pop Warner quarterback. Let's go.